Has someone ever done a good deed for you, not expecting anything in return? If so, you experienced one of the key qualities of love, kindness. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah reveals why love and kindness are bound so strongly together as he continues his series, The Power of Love. Listen as David introduces the conclusion of The Patience and Kindness of Love. Friends, there is a quality that is in short supply these days that is so desperately needed, and that is the quality of kindness. Uh, Even among family members, it's missing. It's missing between husband and wife in so many illustrations, just to be kind. The Bible says love the way God tells us love should be makes you kind. Love makes you see people in their situation and reach out to them with love in your heart and with kindness in your touch. Today, we're going to finish up our discussion of the patience and kindness of love. We're in 1 Corinthians 13. This series is called The Power of Love. There's a study guide you can get, a CD album you can get. And uh, let me just tell you that one of the other things I hope you will get is a reservation to go with us to the Caribbean at the end of this year. It's going to be here before you know it. We actually leave on the 27th of December, which is a Wednesday. We leave from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and uh, we go to St. Martin, Antigua, Barbuda, St. Lucia, uh, all kinds of wonderful places, St. Thomas, um, these beautiful ports, and then most of all, the beautiful ship and the worship every night and the teaching of the Word of God and the fellowship and a great New Year's party. Oh, you don't want to miss. This is a great way to kind of push the issues of the year behind you and get ready for the new year. We'll even help you with that along the way. I hope you'll come and be with us for this uh, cruise. Get all the information, make your reservation, and join us for the Caribbean cruise, December 27th through January 7th. It's just around the corner. I'm sure you have uh, memories of situations you have watched as you have made your way through uh, our wonderful culture these days when you have seen people treated so unkindly. And uh, the closer it gets to the core of who you are, the harder it is to watch. Really difficult to watch a husband not being kind and patient with his wife. Men and women, when you have God's love in your heart, the agape love which seeks the best interest of the one you love, you cannot do that. And this lesson that we have today is part two of the patience and kindness of love. Let's go right to the lesson. We'll have some things to share with you as we come to the end. Here's a good one. Am I sometimes betrayed into speech and action which I later regret? Does that happen to you? You know, one of the things that happens to me is I get letters. I get all kinds of letters. I get some good ones, and I get lots of bad ones. But you know, in my lifetime, I've written a few dozen letters that I never sent. Have you ever done that? Have you ever gotten a letter that just really got under your skin, and you had to get it out of your system, so you sat down and you wrote a scorcher back? Then you let your wife read it. And she says, are you really going to send that? And so you go back and you make a few changes and you ultimately throw it in the can. You forget it. Sometime back, somebody gave me a little bit of poetry that I think's good word of advice concerning retaliatory letters. Anyway, this little poem goes like this. Let the ink dry is the name of it. Think twice before you speak. Count ten before you strike. Then if you choose to write, 
let the ink dry overnight. Don't give a peace of mind your peace of mind to gain. Though it may seem quite right, let the ink dry overnight. Next morning you may be humbled in your prayer, thanking the God of light that you let the ink dry overnight. That's good word of advice. A little time, a little lengthening of the fuse before we respond. Here's another question. Can I accept a fellow believer for who he is and realize that he too is moving in the direction of becoming Christ-like? You see, our impatience often shows up within the body when we look at people that we think ought to be further along in their Christian experience and they're just not there. And we get so impatient with them. They ought to know better. In fact, there's some impatience in the Word of God as you read the book of Hebrews where we read that by this time they should have been teachers and now they have to be taught the basic things of the Christian faith. Long-suffering, patient love is the kind of love that recognizes imperfections, is aware that many suffer from what someone has called the curvature of the soul. And that long-suffering love is patient with such people. This is the kind of love that says, I know, my friend, what you are, and I like you anyway. In one of his many books, Charles Swindoll has incorporated what he calls the ABCs of love. Here they are. I accept you as you are. I believe you are valuable. I care when you are hurt. I desire only what is best for you. I erase all offenses. A, B, C, D, E. The ABCs of love. Question number seven. When I have been offended or my rights have been stepped on or I have been overlooked, do I find that I am thinking of ways to retaliate? Have you ever found yourself doing this when somebody does something to you? You don't get a chance to do anything, but you think in your mind what you would have said if you could have said it. Have you ever done that? You know there's a great deal of uh, benefit in not retaliating. I had an experience going to McDonald's to get something to eat. And I pulled over into the center lane and I was waiting to turn. And there was a pickup truck up in front of me, and I thought they were waiting to turn too, but I waited and waited, and they didn't turn. And I kind of peeked out the window, and I saw there was a little sports car way down the road, and I thought, well, this is some timid driver who's waiting until every car in sight gets across the lane. And I'm not timid. I'm hungry. So I went through. And as I pulled in, just as I made my move to go in, that truck decided to go in too. And it just barely missed the back of my van and pulled into the to the uh, lot and I went and got in the line and was round ordering and I looked in my rearview mirror and the fella in that pickup truck had his head out the window and he was hollering at me and he wasn't saying good words. <laughs> in fact, I could read his lips. And his wife was sitting in the other seat and she was hollering too. I think she was telling him what to holler to, to me. And I thought, well, they'd cool off. And, and, and I thought, boy, when I stop up here to order, those folks are going to come out here and get me. And finally, I saw they cooled down a little bit, and I pulled in to order. And then I pulled around to the window, and when I got to the window, I got an idea. Oh, it was a good one. I said to the little girl who was waiting on me there, I said, how much is the food that was ordered by the truck behind me? And she told me it was a few dollars. I said, I want to buy their lunch. 
She says, what? I said, she said, do you know him? I said, no, never saw him before in my life. She said, well, what are you doing? I said, I just want to buy their lunch. And I said, I only want to ask you one, to do one thing. When you give them their lunch, you tell them that the fella in the van in front of them bought it and said, God loves you and I do too. And so she did. And I went in the next day to find out how it went. And the fellow that worked in there told me they were so angry when they came through, they were sputtering about what had happened. And then the girl told them what I'd done. And it was like somebody just stuck a pin in the balloon. They just lost all their fury. It all went out. You know that'll happen, won't it, when we don't retaliate. Now, I have to admit, I'm not sure my spirit was right in doing that. I thought that... I thought that was kind of an ornery thing to do, but it was a good idea, and it worked. You know, there's so much of us that wants to retaliate when something happens to us and get even and get back at a person. And that's the exact opposite of this first quality of long-suffering love. I read that when Abraham Lincoln began his political career, one of his earliest enemies was Edwin M. Stanton. He hated Lincoln. He called him, among other things, a low, cunning clown and the original gorilla. Well, some of his favorite names were Abraham Lincoln. In fact, he said it was ridiculous for people to go to Africa to see a gorilla when they could find one easily in Springfield, Illinois. Well, Lincoln never responded to the statements and the accusations or to the slander. And when he became president of the United States, he needed a secretary of war, and he chose Stanton as his candidate. And his incredulous friends came to him and asked him why, and he said, because he was the best man for the job. Years later, when the slain president's body lay in state, Stanton looked into the coffin, and he said through his tears, there lies the greatest ruler of men the world has ever seen. Lincoln's patience and long-suffering and his refusal to retaliate had won him a friend. I think we all need to learn that God's love, divine love, never seeks to get even. Never. It is a quality that's hard to get to, isn't it? But it is God's perfect love, and he wants it to be ours. Let's take a few moments and talk about the second one. Love is not only long-suffering, love is kind. The German philosopher Nietzsche hated Christianity for encouraging kindness. He accused Christian love of draining strong people by making them kind. He said Christian love drove them to waste their energies on lepers and cripples and oppressed people. Thus, love weakened the strong of the human race by turning them toward kindness. On one occasion, he said, if we could rid the world of faith in the Christ and thus of love, we might again produce supermen. The strong could get stronger and the weak would die out." End of quote. And that was the German philosophy, as you know. But the philosopher did not understand the power of kindness. Kindness is the power, you see, that moves us to support and heal someone who can offer nothing to us in return. Kindness is the power that moves our self-centered egos toward the weak the ugly, the hurt, and to move that ego to invest itself in personal care with no expectation of reward. Does not take much power to write a small check for charity, but it takes great power to enter a leper colony 
and care daily and hourly and moment by moment for scores of lepers whose disease has made them harsh and ungrateful. Doesn't take a great power to be philanthropic, giving to the poor by keenly calculating your tax-deductible gifts. But it does take great power to be a Mother Teresa, wrapping tender arms around the wretched, the poor, the bleeding, the sick in the streets of Calcutta. If long-suffering is a passive quality, then kindness is an active quality. If long-suffering is victory over a just resentment, then kindness is the victory over idle selfishness and comfortable self-pleasing. Just as patience will take anything from others that they give, kindness will give anything to others, even to its enemies. To be kind means to be useful and serving and gracious. Kindness is active goodwill. Kindness not only feels generous, kindness is generous. You see, if we are long-suffering, we may endure. And it might just be a triumph of our own strong will or our obstinacy, if you will. But to endure and to be kind is a triumph of a different nature. For it's one thing to endure wrong from someone and to know in one's heart that we are just and right in wishing to retaliate but restraining ourselves in love out of obedience to the Lord. It's one thing to do all of that. But then, having done that, to turn around and be kind to that same individual, that is the epitome of Christian love, which very few of us have ever experienced in our own personal walk. Someone has said that the greatest thing a man can do for his heavenly father is just to be kind to some of his children. Kindness is reaching out in service. Let me give you just a couple of examples of kindness from the Bible. First of all, the Bible says that it is the kindness of God that leads us to him in salvation. Let me read a couple of passages to you. Romans 2, 4. Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Did you know, men and women, that the very fact you have repented, that you have come to God in faith through Christ, is an evidence of the kindness of God in your behalf? Did you deserve it? Did you have it coming to you? Were you passively or actively rebellious to God? Had you done anything at all to warrant his love and his grace toward you? No. Not one of us can stand and say that. It was simply the kindness of God that brought us to repentance. Titus 3, 4 through 6 adds to that. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. God's kindness is responsible for our being in the family of God. 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3 says, Long for the pure milk of the word, and thereby grow in respect to salvation, because we have tasted the kindness of the Lord. I never really thought about it before. I knew that God's grace was his giving to me what I did not deserve in eternal life, and that God's mercy was his withholding from me eternal damnation, which I did deserve. But I never realized how the kindness of God was involved in my salvation. God is a kind God, for God is love. And the kindest thing God could ever do was to draw me to himself 
and provide for my eternal destiny through faith in Jesus Christ. Here are some encouragements from the Bible to be kind. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. There is always a central passage on every principle in the Word of God. And in Luke chapter 6, there is a central passage on kindness. I want you to know where it is, and I hope you'll read it and meditate upon it and maybe even make some practical notes as to how you can implement it. Luke chapter 6, and let me begin reading verse 27. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. Now watch this. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye have hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But as Christians, love your enemies. And do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest. Now watch. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Isn't that a fantastic passage? A reminder to all of us of the tremendous difference there ought to be in the way we treat people who are not even a part of our family, people who are not even Christians. The words of this passage remind us that if we just take care of those who are good to us, the world does that. In fact, I think in some cases the world takes care of their own better than the church takes care of their own. If we lend to those who will lend back to us or where there is some benefit for us, what difference does it make? The world does that. But all when we reach out in kindness to those who are not kind to us and those who berate us and sometimes ridicule us and scoff at us, then the love of God, which is supernatural love, is being shed abroad in our hearts. There's a very interesting passage in in Ephesians 4.32 that tells us not only are we to be kind to our enemies, but we're to be kind to one another. You know this passage well. Let me just read it to you. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. The Bible says that in the church, we're to be kind to one another as brothers, our kindness toward one another. And God puts us on report for exemplifying the love of God in our hearts by our simple kindness to each other. J.R. Miller has written these words, and I think they're interesting. He said, Do not keep the alabaster boxes of your affection sealed and laid away until your friends are dead. Fill their days with tenderness. Speak words of commendation while their ears can hear them. If my friends have any vases laid away filled with the perfumes of sympathy and affection which they intend to break over my dead body, I would far rather they would bring them out along my toilsome days and open them when I can enjoy them and be refreshed by them. End of quote. A good word. Let me ask you some questions about kindness as we close. Do I offer to help before I am asked? Listen to me, children. Listen to me, teenagers. You will do yourself 
a world of good in your homes if once in a while, before you are forced, threatened, drug, <laughs> if you would just say, is there anything I can do to help? Don't be surprised if your parents faint dead away. <laughs> But you'll be surprised at the response. You know, the home is the laboratory where we need to learn to be kind. It's hard to be kind in the home. We get so used to each other, take each other for granted so much. Question number two, am I thoughtful and considerate? Men, do I call when I will be late? Or before I unexpectedly bring company home for dinner? Kindness. I'm sorry, guys, I had to put that in there. But that's certainly true, isn't it? There's an awful lot of unkindness that goes on between couples. I've been in the presence of couples that have belittled, berated, cut down one another while other people watched. I don't think there's any more cruel thing that could ever be done. It ought to be the absolute forbidden activity in any marriage. Next question. Am I concerned with doing little things for people? You know, most of us don't have the option of doing many big kind things. It's the little things we do. We have some wonderfully kind men who work on the staff who've expressed their kindness to me in so many different ways, and I appreciate that. I read that it is the little things that often mean so much. Many generations ago, Augustine, the great church leader, was saved through the influence of a man by the name of Juan Ambrose. Augustine said of Ambrose, I began to love him not at first as a teacher of the truth, which I had despaired of finding at all in the church, but I began to love him as a fellow teacher who was kind to me. End of quote. Next question. Do I have a pleasant tone in my voice? Do I lash out or rip another person apart with harsh, critical language? Am I ugly? Am I sarcastic? Next question. Do I appreciate my parents, my brothers, my sisters, my grandparents, my friends, and others? Do I say thank you for being my friend, and I'm glad we're in the same family? Do I know that kind of expression of kindness in my own life? Do I give an approving smile, a word of gratitude, a heartfelt expression of thanks that you're who you are? Am I quick to recognize, appreciate, and say thank you for all that someone does, even the little things? The poet has said, so many gods, so many creeds, so many ways that wind and wind, while just the art of being kind is all this old world needs. Where love is, God is. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, for God is love. Therefore love. Love without distinction, without calculation. Love without procrastination, just love. Lavish it upon the poor where it is very easy, especially upon the rich who often need it most, most of all upon our equals where it is very difficult and for whom perhaps we each do the least of all. And remember these words, I shall pass through this world but once, any good thing, therefore, that I can do or any kindness that I can show to any human being, let me not defer it or neglect it, for I shall not pass this way again. Yeah, that's a good word, isn't it? Well, tomorrow we're going to talk about love's power over envy, 
How do you deal with envy in your life? Envy is a big deal these days because of the internet. Everybody sees what everybody else is and does and has and they want to do and be and, and so they get envious and love can take that away. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Hey, let me remind you that uh, in, in just a few days, we're going to be in South Carolina at the North Charleston Coliseum, October 6th and 7th. It's a Friday night and a Saturday morning. I'll be teaching Friday night and again on Saturday. We have Selah coming to sing. We have all of our team. Huge, um, huge event. And uh, the attendances are going to be great. Uh, the reservations are coming in very boldly and strongly. If you want more information about that, go to davidjeremiah.org, get all the information, and plan to come and be with us. And whatever you do, plan to be with us tomorrow right here on this good station. Today's message came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. How is God blessing you through Turning Point? Let us know by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO, Sawasan, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or calling 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of our 14-month calendar for 2024, focused on God's enduring faithfulness, the unchanging promises of God, yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app to instantly access our content or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Power of Love, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash study. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash study. American humorist Will Rogers once wrote that any time a man can't come and settle with you without bringing his lawyer, look out for that man. The inability of people to resolve disputes today has resulted in huge backlogs in our court system. But there's another reason we, and I'm referring to Christians, 
we ought to resolve our disagreements on our own. Paul says that if Christians sue one another in court, they have both already been defeated. Christians are to live in peace with one another and are to seek the mind of Christ in all things. There are more important things in life than being proven right. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's solutions on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.